We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's the DFS pregame show. Yeah, it it is the pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, a.k.a. Blender HD, a.k.a. uh, hopefully on top of you in GPPs. Last night, maybe, maybe I didn't play any Tyler Chatwood, so so it's hard not to make money when you don't play the worst pitcher on the slate. So so I was good yesterday. We got uh, all the people here in YouTube for the pregame show, Man Monkey 600, Puke Stacks for the win last night. They're vomit stacks. Puke Stacks is like, uh, if you call it Puke Stacks, that's like like Honey Nut Cheerios is the brand name. And then like the whatever, the Toasted O's or whatever generic name cereal that they have in the bag at your supermarket, that's Puke Stacks. So use the proper term, vomit stacks, trademark at the at the end of it. Feel free to call it Puke Stacks, but that's the, that's the generic version of that term. But welcome to the DFS pregame show. Hit that thumbs up button. I got I got some apple juice today. So no coffee. Devin probably has coffee uh, producing the show. So if you want to keep his coffee hot and my apple juice cold, hit the thumbs up button. But on the pregame show, uh, this, this is what we do at 11 in the morning, Eastern time. I go through uh, yesterday's slate. Talk a little bit about that strategy-wise. Go through uh, today's slate. It's just the first look. This is what I do in the morning. So it's like I have not looked at anything. I'm just going through results DB, which is free on Roto Grinders. And you could see, I mean, we don't have the updated point totals 
I think uh, they still have to upload that, but we still get exposures for for the uh, the GPPs for for some top players. Study how they made lineups and uh, see how you could uh, improve in the future. So if you have any strategy questions, uh, if you have any questions about any of the tools on Roto Grinders, any of the content on Roto Grinders, sign up for premium. Rotogrinders.com slash premium, thirty nine ninety nine a month. Uh, it, it's all the tools that I use. So this is, it, it's open kimono. This is exactly what I use. You'll get some of the premium stuff up here. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, I know this is a uh, archive for later. A lot of people, a lot of people listen to this later as a podcast or they go to the YouTube video later. Uh, but if you want your questions answered, you, you, sh- you show up to YouTube live and I answer them. The YouTube people are the most important people in the world, especially if they hit the thumbs up button. Right, Sean George is here. Brian Schlink, we needed your show yesterday. Oh, y'all, I'm sorry. We had with that swole cast. It was like a million shows yesterday. NBA is going on. You may not get this every day. I'm sorry. Uh, Sam George's Champions League is back today. You got some soccer in the show today? No. No, we have a specialist package. Go to go buy the specialist package. Includes all the sports that no one plays except for me. I mean, I play I play MMA now, so it's, I'm, I'm I'm into MMA. Brett Appley has good content for that. Uh, but we have uh, PSU fans and Fear My Turtle doing the soccer content now. And uh, I, I've been playing against them for five years in the soccer lobby. So they're, they're, they're two of the people that I block in my block list for soccer cash games. So they, they, they have to be good. Man Monkey 600 says, uh, buy the audio book and you have Jordan anytime you want. Yeah, if you want to buy my, my audio course, uh, 15 hours, theoryofdfs.com. Go check that out if you want. But I'm going to look through results DB. This is what I do in the morning. Okay, go through. I mean, I made my lineups. I made about 100 lineups yesterday, or 80 lineups, something like that, yesterday. But I like going through. Sometimes I'll I may do this the night before, you know, if I have time at 11:30 at night if I want to check out some stuff. But most of the time, I do this in the morning. I go I choose some 150 max type players and and check out exposures. Where did they get leverage? How did they construct lineups? Okay. So I look through all of this, and now we're going to start with pitcher. And I think the the biggest the biggest uh, uh, thing that you'll see at pitcher is that a lot of the sharp players played very little Tyler Chatwood. Chipotle Attic did some, but he also went way off the board and played Toussaint, who, who, who did great, and uh, and Jordan Montgomery, who, who didn't do great. So he, he got, and Zach Gallen, he, he went really off the board, right? Very little Castillo, very little Carrasco. He tried to get a lot of his leverage at pitcher. Most of most of the others that I've, I've uh, selected played a healthy amount of Castillo or Carrasco or both, right? JBC, JBC, maybe a little under the field, went off the board a little bit more Eflin or Bialik. I mean, it's not like they did it very well. Like ending just went 100% Carrasco and no Castillo. So we're gonna we're gonna see when you take a look at the pitcher ownership of uh, the, these exposures, it's gonna relate to the the bats. Okay, because most likely, I mean, I already looked at it, so I so I know. Most likely, if you're taking zero of uh, Luis Castillo, you're probably playing Cleveland, right? You're probably playing a leverage stack against him, right? Say for Chipotle Addict. And then Chatwood, if you're not going to play a lot of Chatwood, you're going to play Royals leverage against them. And say for Lindblom, right? Ending, very little Lindblom, probably going to play White Sox leverage against them, especially on a seven-game slate. On a 13-game slate like we have today, we have a lot more options. But uh, on, on a smaller slate, five to seven games, like if you're going to fade a pitcher, like completely, like I'm just I'm, I'm going to just fade a chalk pitcher, 
it makes sense to play a stack against them because you, how many options do you have on a five to seven game slate? West Passanold asks, when do we get to some dumpster diving? We will. We will. We'll talk about today's slate. I, I've looked a little. What do you think of a Philly stack today? We'll, we'll take a look. I liked the Phillies yesterday. I had plenty of the film. My, my, my most exposure yesterday were the Phillies, uh, were the Royals, were the Orioles, and then uh, then Toronto, which kind of let me down, right? Toronto was kind of the fill-in. I, I, I didn't, I, they came in a little bit more chalky than I thought yesterday. So I, I, actually, I actually decreased. I was going to go like heavy on Toronto until I saw ownership creep up. But my, my pitcher exposure, like Chatwood yesterday, to, to, to phrase Derek Hardy, was a donkey play, okay? If you played Chatwood yesterday in GPP, you did something wrong. And I know Devin did. Devin's in producing, and I know he did. And I told him that before the show. Uh, Chatwood was 30% owned at similar price as Castillo and Carrasco. Uh, yes, I know he changed his pitch mix. It's a two-game sample size, people. Okay, we have a very vast history of Chatwood being a crappy pitcher. Okay, so if you're going to pay 9K plus for him, if he was, if he, hey, if he came in at 10% owned and you wanted to have a little at low ownership, okay, I get it. Okay, but not not at this ownership, but just take Castillo Carrasco, just go overboard. I had Castillo or Carrasco in 100% of my lineups. I played 0% Chatwood, and I know I pulled out, Chipotle played some. I know I pulled out a bunch of people that didn't play much, but if you go through, I mean, I've gone through a lot more than just, what, one, two, three, seven, seven players. Most of the sharper MME players in the 150 max played very little of Tyler Chatwood, okay? For, for that very reason, it's a two-game sample size. If you watch the game, you're right. Chatwood did not walk anyone, right? But he was throwing the ball right down the middle, like every single pitch. So uh, so if you faded Chatwood, I think in some single entries, he was 40% owned. I get it more on FanDuel. FanDuel, the pricing was a little bit, uh, I don't know. But still, I, I, I mean, he was the first player I X'd out. It was like, there's no way I'm playing Chatwood. And there's and I'm playing tons of Royal. They're cheap. Play the Royals against it. Would you see, we'll still say that on the main slate without Carrasco and Castillo. And, well, we don't. Well, you're making up a situation now. If we took those other games on the slate and then we have Chatwood and then we have a lot of crappy pitchers. I would have rather played more Zach Gallon. I played more Zach Gallon. But we can't just say, well, well, if we took off, we took off the 30, 42, 40% on play, 80% of the pitcher ownership, but we got rid of it. Then would you have played Chatwood? Well, that's a different story. Right? That's a completely different story. We had other pitchers to play. Uh, Son George said, uh, I faded Chatwood completely, but what did I miss on the Royals yesterday? Was the decision points fading Chatwood in price? Yeah. It's a leverage stack. If Chatwood's going to be nearly 30% owned and you're and you're taking zero and it's a seven-game slate, why aren't you playing Royals? I'm not saying to play the, all your lineups be the Royals. If you're going to fade Castillo at 40% owned and then not play, and then and not play the, the Indians, like what in what scenario? Think of the outcome. Okay? If if you if your lineups were to do well, if you faded Castillo, for instance, that means Castillo doesn't put up a good enough score. If he puts up an eight-point score, the only way that he only puts up an eight-point score is if the Indians do well enough. I'm not saying to play, you don't even, hey, don't play five-man stacks, but you should have some Indians. If you're going to play 0% of them, 
You're going to play 0% of Chatwood. Maybe you don't play five-man Royal Stacks. But maybe you do have a Mondesi at shortstop at a weak position, a Perez at catcher. Maybe you have a Merrifield overpriced, seemingly, at second base. Maybe you mix them in. Maybe you mix in Solero or Hearn or something, or Alex Gordon for cheap. Like, how do you, how do you on a seven-game slate, if it was a 13-game slate, there's a lot more options. Seven-game slate, if you're going to fade a jockey pitcher, why, why aren't you taking bats against him? You're essentially betting on that outcome. If you don't take bats against him, you're just saying that both sides don't do well enough. Like Chatwood gets a 12-point score and the Royals put up three runs, right? So like the stack doesn't get there and neither the pitcher doesn't get there. I get it. On a 13-game slate, I can understand that. But if I'm fading a chalk pitcher completely, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind that I that I have bats against him. It doesn't have to be in uh, 30% of your lineups. I did not have 30% Royals yesterday. I had about 15%. Out of my 100 lineups or so, I had about 15% Royal stacks and mixed in everywhere. A lot more Phillies. I was, uh, Phillies were my top exposed team. But we could see that. It makes sense when you look at the pitcher ownership, right, of, of sharper players. We're going we're gonna to expect to see Chipotle Addict probably playing some Indians in, uh, in Cleveland. Uh, Indians in Cincinnati, right? We're going to see some Indians on ending, right? We're going to see all these zeros over here, all this low on Chatwood, probably going to see Royals. Anything that anyone that's under on Lindblom, probably going to see uh, see uh, White Sox against him, right? Something like that. So if we go over here and we're going to check all, now we're going to go take away the pitcher. I'm going to go sort by field and see see where where, where the players went. So, like, here, Uticao, Brewers, went a lot against against uh, Gio Gonzalez. So, Uticao had a lot of Hura at second base, which is a weak position yesterday. Hoskins at first. I'm just looking for the reds and the greens and, and, the, and the, the reds, blues, and greens. That, like, the overweight stances, right? If we look through down here. So, like, JK123, who was, like, tied for first yesterday. Take a look at his exposures. Right, look. Francisco, a lot of Orioles. Altuve at second base, you know, way over the field. Right, a lot of Astros. Astros, Baltimore, some Yankees, some Braves, Astros, a little bit of Royals, a little under on the Blue Jays, except for Tellus. This is a little all over the place. A lot more Yankees. But you can see here, JK won last night, okay, tied for first. And had 35% touchman with only seven points. He didn't do great, right? Had Kevin Biggio, with, uh, didn't, didn't do anything. Bo Bichette, I mean, he did fine, right? But he had just enough of the Royals, the Orioles, one-offs. I mean, if we take a look, like where, where's uh, like Mondesi, 4%. I'm looking for Merrifield. Where's Merrifield? See, Jose Ramirez at 13%. Pretty much he needed Jose Ramirez to win yesterday. But here, Whit Merrifield, 3%. The guy won. 3% Whit Merrifield. And, uh, and, and some, it's over the field on Bregman. Santander had a decent game, right? Altuve. Soler, I mean, he had 13% Ramirez. He, if you took a look at his, at his whole lineup set, his first place lineup, his next lineup probably wasn't in the top, you know, 300. He had enough exposure. So he was wrong in a lot of places. Some of these Cubs, 
some of these Blue Jays. But since he wasn't playing Chatwood, he, he, he mixed in the Royals. Take, up. Take a look at TJ or TJ. A lot of Ronald Acuna didn't really get there. Bryce Harper didn't really get there, right, to, to be overweight. I was overweight on Harper also. Kingery, he was a lot on the a lot on the Phillies we see, right? 32% McCutcheon. 30% Guerrero didn't do anything, right? Guriel, Toronto Blue Jays. He had, look at how much Mondesi he had. Grichuk, but he had Soler, he had enough Jose Ramirez, enough Merrifield. He had some Royals, he had Ramirez. So even though he went overweight and like, okay, 30, that didn't work out. Sal Perez worked out. Bryce Harper wasn't worth it. Acuna didn't do anything. Hoskins wasn't worth it. He got Ramir, he got Real Muto, he got enough Bichette, Kevin Biggio. TJ and TJ still had a good night. Right? Just under on the Cubs. A lot of the sharper players were under on the Cubs. JBC, maybe not so much. Chipotle. Chipotle wasn't under on the Cubs, but you saw that he was going very high leverage at pitcher. So that makes sense. Like I said, if you look at the pitcher ownership, it relates to the batter ownership, especially on kind of like mid tall to mid size slates, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna play a lot of Jordan Montgomery and Zach Allen or something like that as your pitcher combination and fade Carrasco and Castillo, most likely you're gonna play chalkier stacks. You're probably you're, you're getting your leverage there, and you're playing Tauchman, you're playing Bryant, you're playing Byers, you're playing the chalk. The Cubs were the probably the best projected team. Of course, by the fifth inning, they were getting blown out. They said they just started coming out of the game. So he got screwed in that regard, right? He played Acuna, didn't do anything, right? This makes sense because of his pitcher ownership. Ending, on the other hand, played it, what? He played a ton. Let's see, what did, what did he do? Right, he played 100% Carrasco, okay? Played no Castillo. So I'm going to assume we're going to see some Indians here. I'm going to assume that. Assume he had uh, he had uh, uh, Jose Ramirez. Let's go down. Yeah, look there you go. See, I didn't have to. I, I, I didn't have to even look. He had zero Castillo, so he had Lindor, Ramirez, Santana, seventeen percent, Framil Reyes, twenty three percent. Natural. He faded Castillo completely, so he's going to have Indians. He, he went overboard, but I mean, he didn't need to. I mean, look. Ramirez was 4% owned. He had 33% of them. Lindor was 3% owned. He had 29% of them, right? He just went overboard. Bo Taylor, right? 17% owned. 2% owned Santana, 17% exposure. Franmil was 1% owned. He had 23% of them. Domingo Santana was 1% owned. He had 15% of them. That was his strategy, this slate. Ending strategy was take lever- take one of the top two pitchers, no Chatwood, Pair him with a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Gio Gonzalez or LeBlanc or Gallon or whoever, a second starting pitcher. And then leverage off of the chalkiest pitcher on the slate. Castillo was chalkier than Carrasco, which made no sense to me. I thought it should be the other way around. What did it end up being? 39, it was close enough, but I expected it to flip-flop. I expected Carrasco to be like 40%, Castillo 35%. I expected Chatwood to be like 25%. He was, he was 40% in some contest. Wow. And they'd say that there's no edge left in DFS. They say that. So let's go to the YouTube chat. If you've got, if you've got questions, I got answers or I got potential answers. Some of my answers are, it depends, because that's the correct answer. 
but I still answer you. Uh, Man Monkey 600 says in FanDuel he was 45% in the quarter GPP tournament. Crazy. Yeah, especially on sites where you only play one pitcher. Like you have Carrasco and Castillo there. Just 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 play just play one of them. Just play them. Uh hey Blender, are you doing basketball and I know. I didn't play basketball yesterday, so I, I have no idea what happened yesterday. All I know is that people tilt on Twitter. Apparently, uh, apparently uh, everyone got Malone yesterday. Malone did, did, had some weird rotation. That's all. That's all. That's all I saw on Twitter was everyone complaining about Malone. But that's that's like normal basketball Twitter because doesn't everyone complain about him or Pop or someone like that, right? Fizdale's not in the league anymore. Don't have to worry about him. Sean George says, and you think stacking against a pitcher you faded is more likely to be a good idea on a shorter slate because of the lack of options. Yes, it makes sense. I just weighed their low win percentage on slate IQ too highly. Just because they have a low, you can't, like here, I'm going to show you slate IQ. This is in premium. Rotogrinders.com slash premium sign up. Slate IQ is something I use every day, but I don't, it's not gospel. Like don't treat it as like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't play the Indians. Only 1.3 win percentage, but you get super leverage. If you wanted to do it, you could do it. The Cubs were obviously Cubs, Yankees. I get it. I get it at the top, but they're also, they're going to be popular. So you can get negative leverage. I did play some Cubs and I did play some Yankees. Okay. That's no problem. I had no problem playing Baltimore yesterday. Even at 1% down over here, they were just so cheap and like, no one's playing them against Jordan Yamamoto making his first start of the season. So like, why not? I had a I had ton of Renato Nunez. I had like in the quarter of my lineups, Nunez, Smith, Santander, Alberto, Cisco. Cause I mean, I thought they would come. Sometimes I look at some of the ownership that Jamino comes out with and it's like, it's based on a mathematical model, but not in like a psychological model where like a guy on Baltimore would be 2% owned. And I'd be like, nah, he's going to be 1%. Like it's going to be even less than that. It looks like low ownership, but I think it's going to be even lower than that just from a psychological perspective it makes sense right it makes sense for chancisco to be three percent owned but i think he's gonna be one percent owned, right just to just the way things work out so you don't necessarily have to go by you know gospel i'm more likely to take slate iq into account on much larger slates there's just there's just so few options like if i don't play baltimore i don't play kansas city like who am i playing i'm just playing the chalk like I got, I got to find a way to go off the board somewhere, right? Either I, I get it at pitcher, or I, I, I got to go to lower win percentage teams. But still, Baltimore, Kansas City was positive leverage by far because of Chatwood. Cleveland was positive leverage because of Castillo. I mean, you could, you could, you still could have done it. It's, yes, it's low probability, but you're doing it in large field GPPs. Maybe you don't do it in single entry small field stuff. But like Toronto was over owned. And that's why I like the Phillies. Like you take a look at the Phillies right here, four points on slate IQ, positive leverage right over here. I could have taken Miami, but I, I chose, uh, I chose to play LeBlanc instead of LeBlanc and the Orioles rather than Yamamoto and, uh, and the, and uh, the Marlins. That was the decision. I made. So I just look at this and I go, you know, where can I find something that I played? I played Diamondbacks yesterday. 4.9 over here. That didn't necessarily work out, but they were more expensive. The cheaper the stack is, I I, I don't mind lower win percentages because they're so cheap. Because how much does it take for you to get there, especially on a seven game slate, thirteen game slate? We're going to see this list being way long. We see teams that are down in that one percent range. Maybe I don't. I have a lot more options. I don't have to go all the way down. 
but on a, on a shorter slate, you, you, you have to find somewhere to be different in a large field G, uh, GPP. Uh, let's see. Right, uh, Devin in the chat even says, like Blender says, don't know, don't, they're right. There's no always and never, just more likely and less likely. Yes, I'm less likely to play stacks that are low in slate IQ. I'm less likely to play stacks that have negative leverage, but it doesn't mean you can't play them at all. They're still high. They're still the best. The Cubs yesterday were the best projected stack, the best projected value. But it doesn't mean you go overboard. Like once I saw that they, they were going to be owned, I didn't want to have zero of them because there's, there's only seven games on the slate. I'm not playing Chatwood. I'm getting my leverage there. I'm playing Royals. I'm getting my leverage there. I'm playing overboard on the Phillies. So I'm getting leverage there. So like a, a, a Philly stack with like a, a, a Chris Bryant one-off isn't the end of the world, right? Or Javi Baez in a shortstop spot. I'm playing Phillies with no Gregorius in the shortstop spot. And I have Baez in there. Well, that's good enough. And then I'm playing no Chatwood. I'm playing Carrasco and Gio Gonzalez. I mean, it didn't, Gio didn't work out, but like I got enough leverage. I'm done. I don't, I don't need to play, you know, the, the, the quarter of my lineups to be Cub stacks. I don't have to play. Like I was under the field on Touchman. Touchman was like 25% owned as a one-off. Makes sense. He was 2,600 and leading off of the Yankees against Zach Eflin as a lefty. I get it. But should you really be overboard on a batter? No. So I, I would like 14% of him. He, he was thrown in there. He was a one-off. He was in some Yankees three-mans, those types of things, right? I played a lot more Lindblom, so I had salary. So I was playing Stanton over him. And Stanton was lower on because I had the salary to do that. So it doesn't mean you don't play these guys. It just means that you may be under the field, right? It doesn't mean I don't play Cubs. It just means I may be under. It doesn't mean I don't play Yankees. It just means I may be under. More likely to be under, depending on what other options there are on the slate. Yeah, Anthony Fiala? Fiala? Last night on FanDuel, I was leaving behind two, 2.5 to 6 game salary on the day. Right. Because FanDuel's pricing yesterday was to play whoever you want, right? Literally, you can you can play whoever you want on FanDuel when their pricing was so uh, so so soft. But even DK, the, I mean, if you if you didn't pair two uh, high priced pitchers, you could essentially play whoever you want. Uh, is the number positive number or the better number to, with the stack sheet? Well, one okay on the on the slate IQ. I'll just explain. This is. All of this is based on, okay, let me explain what Slate IQ does. Just so you understand why you don't take it as gospel. Okay? So it even it even explains it to you. These are based on four and five-man hitter stacks combined from based on the results from the 25 most similar slates based on pricing, based on positions, based on ownership, based on the context of the slate, based on pitcher ownership, based on everything. And it compares, it's going to run simulations to see who should, what four or five man stack, what percent of the time shows up in the winning GPP lineup. Okay. So it doesn't have to be a five man. It could be a four man, both combined. And then what it's going to do, it's going to show you that percentage right down here. But it's also, this is based on our RG ownership projection. So this field number, is how owned is the four and five man hitter stacks in aggregate. So this 10.6% could be uh, a Cubs 
one, two, three, four, five. It could be a one, two, three, four. It could be a uh, two, three, six, seven, eight, right? All the combinations of four and five man stacks, what we expect their ownership to be in aggregate based on the ownership projections. If the ownership projections are a little off, obviously the leverage is going to be off. So it compares the difference between the, the chance of this stack being in the winning lineup with how owned the stack will be to give you the difference, negative meaning that the Cubs stack was more owned than its likelihood of being in the winning lineup by 14%, by 1.5% difference. That's what this chart tells you. And it's based on those simulations, which is not, is not gospel, just based on a simulation. And it's based on the ownership. So like on, the, on this, we, we had on RG, Chatwood projected owned like twice as less when this came out. Chatwood like was projected for like 15% ownership, 12 to 15% on, on RG. Well, he, he ended up 29%. So obviously that's going to ch- affect ownership of all these types of stacks based on the pricing. So the, 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 the leverage scores would change. Now the winning, the winning percentage won't, but the leverage would change. So if you think that based on this slate IQ, if you think Chatwood is going to be more owned which means that he's an expensive pitcher, okay? So you know Carrasco is going to be owned. You know Castillo is going to be owned. So if you add Chatwood, who's a 9K pitcher to that, that means that a lot of people are, more people are spending money on pitching, which means that the low the low cost stacks are going to be less owned than you think, than what our ownership projections even say they are. So that's why, like, in order to fit in a Yankee stack with Stanton or something like that, it's going to be hard to play Chatwood and Carrasco, right? You're going to you're going to have you're going to have to play lower owned. You're going to have to play lower cost stacks, which is going to increase the ownership of Kansas City, of Baltimore, of Miami, of Philadelphia, even, right? Just the dynamics of spending fifty thousand dollars in salary. So that's why I I don't take Sled IQ as gospel. And I don't even take our own ownership projections as gospel. Sometimes I look at ownership and I go, based on math, I see that. Like, it's a mathematical formula. I get it. But but people are irrational. Okay? There are plenty of slates where I look at and I go, I go, there's, there's no way Ross Stripling is, is 27% owned. He'll be 15% owned, but I just don't. It, he may mathematically warrant being 27% owned, but based on what I hear about in the industry on shows and what I think people are going to do, I think it'll come up less owned. But once you make that mental assessment, you have to now adjust that mentally throughout the course of your entire player pool. So I, I thought that chat would, would be twice as owned as as uh, ownership projections across the industry, not just roto grinders. Just based on what I hear, oh, the pitch mix changed. Oh, two games is great. Uh, he's up against the Royals who suck. You know, like that type of stuff. I'm like, no. Mathematically, he shouldn't be more than 15% owned, but I think it'll be double that. So you have to, once you do that, you have to change all, you can't just look by all the numbers you're looking at. So there's, there's, there's an art to that of like, how, how will people act psychologically? Because all of the numbers all rely on rational actors, not on, uh, you know, well, based on our projections and based on the salary constraints and the positional risk constraints, we project him to be 14% though. And then I go, 
No, no, based on what, what I'm hearing and based on the position, like, I think he's going to be 22% though. Like, just based on that. So Anthony Fowler says, yes. So in a, in, a, in a perfect world, you'd want, you'd want exposure to stacks in Slate IQ. Like I said, don't take it as gospel, right? This is just a simulation. These are, okay, just, it's, the margin of error here could be, I mean, decent enough where like 2.4% could be 3, 3.6%, right? It's just to give you an idea of places to find leverage with your stacks. Okay, who's more likely to do well? But they typically line up with the projections. Also, it didn't take a to take a rocket scientist to know that that the Cubs and the Yankees were the best projected <laughs> the projected teams yesterday. Hence, they'll get owned. But yes, you're looking for positive leverage. Doesn't mean you don't play. Doesn't mean you don't play bats that are that are in good spots. But I'm this is where I'm looking for the low owned, under the radar types of stacks. James, uh, Jenna Sandy says, uh, I tried the leverage strategy by stacking the Reds against Carrasco. Didn't work out so well, but that's what you're supposed to do. Yes, that was a viable strategy in large field GPPs. But understand, you're going to be wrong most of the time. Just understand that. If you're going to say, okay, I'm going to take the, the take, stack against the highest price pitcher, and I'm just going to stack the Reds against Carrasco. Okay, okay just understand that you're... you're you're going to fail uh, 99 out of 100 times. But the one time you do, hopefully you'll win the whole thing. I get it. Typically, uh, the, the pitching was subpar yesterday. So I was less inclined to stack against Carrasco and Castillo. That was, but that was just me. Okay. Anthony Fiala says, so Brewers, Arizona, Philadelphia, uh, he lists some teams, was the best plays. If you're looking at that sheet right now with no prior knowledge of what occurs last. Yeah. They're not, uh, don't use the term best. They uh, provided you leverage. But remember, you're building a whole lineup. Okay. You're, you're, you're taking two pitchers and, and eight batters, right? Eight batters. Catcher, catcher first, second, third, short, three outfielders, right? On DK. Okay. A stack is only four or five guys, right? If you're already getting leverage at pitcher, then you don't need leverage at your bats. If you're not getting leverage at pitcher, then you may need some leverage at bats. So let's say, for instance, I was going to play Carrasco and Castillo in the same lineup or something like that and play the Cubs. Five man. You know, throwing a cheap guy, throwing a Hayward so I can make that happen. Well, you know, based on slate IQ, and based on the ownership projections that you you don't have enough if you're playing large field gpps you don't have enough leverage if your next if your next thought you have three spots left remember if your next spot if your next spot is to put in Tauchman at 25% owned that you you're, you're screwing up you're not getting enough leverage if you're going to play the chicago five man the cubs five man with two chalk pitchers that then you throw in how do i throw in a a baltimore bat right you need leverage so this is a way to judge leverage. It doesn't mean one team is better than the other, right? You could get a lot of leverage off of Arizona, playing Arizona yesterday. So this allows you to like, oh, in my Diamondback stacks, I could play chalk pitchers. I could play Touchman in my Diamondback stacks because it's showing me that it's a fairly decent win rate and positive leverage. 
but I can play a negative leverage stack. I can play a Yankee stack. Just I need to I need to play that in a lineup with a lower owned pitcher or a lower owned three man to go with it. So that's why I didn't stay away from the Cubs. I didn't stay away from the Yankees. I just made sure to play them in contrarian lineups. If I'm playing the Yankees with Touchman, or if I'm playing a five man with uh, Touchman, Stanton, Torres, you know, Sanchez who hit a home run, he finally did something yesterday. Voight. Like it, and, and I'm also playing, you know, like Lindblom and Carrasco, like that three man, like I need, I need to get different. I need to, I need, maybe I play Jose Ramirez. Maybe I play a, a Framil Reyes, a lower own. So that's all this is telling you. Where do you need to get your leverage? You say the projected ownership comes from what you hear. How do they figure that ownership equation? If it's based on, it's based on math. It's an algorithm. Jamino, if you talk to Jamino, go into if you if you're in the the premium Discord, or even if you're in the free Discord, there's a free chat. I believe they call it poverty chat. I, that's what they call it. The people that chat in there call it poverty chat. I think you could add uh, Jamino. He'll explain a little bit more. It's based on a math equation, based on an algorithm. Because ownership has to be, if 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 one guy is going to be high owned, I don't know where to show us. You know, if if Tochman, for instance, is going to be twenty plus percent owned at twenty six hundred in the outfield. It's going to take up an outfield spot in 25% of lineups. It's going to take up $2,600 in salary in 25% of lineups. So what could fit in the rest? Assuming that most people spend most of their salary. If people, if tons of, if, if Carrasco is going to be 40% owned, what does that mean? Who could be owned in the rest, rest of the builds, right? So it's based on math, based on who's available at the position. We knew that like someone like Bo Bichette, like the shortstops yesterday were weak. So they were going to be higher on the better shortstops were going to be higher on just based on positional scarcity. But once they come out of the player pool and those prices came out of the player pool, we knew that Whit Merrifield and Jose Altuve were going to be low owned based on their position that you had to pay up at second base when there were a lot more paid down options at second base. So they had to be lower owned because you couldn't play two nine K pitchers. You couldn't, you couldn't spend 16 to 18 K on pitcher and spend up at, uh, at catcher and spend up at second. You can't, you just don't have enough salary. Oh, Anthony Fellino says, I have your audiobook you released earlier this month. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Anthony theory of DFS.com. If you want to check it out, it's all about game theory, 15 hours of audio. Got a lot of good feedback, especially in the DFS industry where everyone craps on anything. Like I really, really, it's, it's been good feedback. So not, not much complaining. So that's good. So you two people, what else you got for me? So we got today's slate. Today's slate to me is easy at pitching. You're pretty, you're pretty much to me that the, the chalk pitchers are basically Bauer, Boyd, Kikuchi. There you do. You're doing something like that. Kikuchi, they still priced at 5k. I think Kikuchi will be the highest on pitcher on the slate. Good thing I got on him. The last, the last slate he was on. People didn't realize that his fastball is up to like 97 now. He's facing Colorado in Seattle. But understand it's Kikuchi. Who knows what could go wrong, but he's only 5K. Kikuchi would be playable today at 7,500. So at 5K, I think that's the chalk combination you're going to see. You're going to see Bauer, Kikuchi. Bauer, Senzatella maybe. Bauer, Boyd, if you're playing cheap stacks. Boyd, Kikuchi. It's going to be some combination of that. 
I mean, and then any anyone else is going to be under-owned. Because, I mean, the rest, I mean, Urias, I know the bat is projecting him for, for 100 pitches, but I, I don't think that's right. I don't think Urias. Let, let's see if Cardi updated this. I'm using the bat X projections here. Okay, yeah, you're right. No, your rice is still there. I'll have to talk to. I'll have to, I'll have to talk to. Yeah, I think he has him as a hundred pitchers. I maybe maybe he should be at that. I don't know. I didn't think the Dodgers were letting Urias go that long. So because ninety eight hundred seems a little pricey. If he's not if, if he goes hundred pitches, okay, I don't mind against the Giants. But eighty eight five pitches, maybe maybe not maybe not uh, Urias. Do you make your lineups before getting projected totals? I don't know what that means, Wallstress. I don't make my lineups until an hour before lock. Okay? I do not make a single lineup. I want as much information as possible before I make my decisions. Throughout the day, I'll look, right? I'm looking at this right now. I'm going, okay, boy projects well. Kikuchi, okay, I get it. So you're going to spend around 16K a pitcher. So maybe I don't need vomit. If I'm playing a lot of Kikuchi or a lot of Senzatella or something like that, I may not need vomit stacks. I may be able to play more expensive stacks or the vomit stacks end up becoming under-owned because people are playing Kikuchi. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, okay, this looks like a chalky type of construction. Then I go over to, to batters. And I start looking to see here, like who point per dollar wise, like Cody Bellinger, two point. Yeah. Against the margin at 4,800. Okay. That looks pretty good. I sort by fantasy points and I look over here. I don't have ownership yet, so I don't know. I'm like, okay, Bellinger looks pretty good. Otani looks pretty good projection-wise. Obviously, Trout, but Trout's Trout. Kepler, 4,300 against Junis. Bijou, I'm looking for like point-per-dollar plays. Up over here, Solaire against Smeltzer, 4,200. Not bad, right? Maybe not Mookie Betts at 6,000, but less there. Harper against Wright, 1.8x. Maybe, maybe in stacks. But that's I'm just looking. I'm not building anything yet. I'm just looking. Okay. Because we don't even have starting lineups yet. We don't even have the, uh, the batting orders. Who's in, who's out, who's batting where, right? It could be a day someone's taken off. Someone's, you know, platoon split or something. I mean, is Ben Attendee going to be leading off against Rourke, right? He's going to project well. Am I going to be playing a lot of Ben Attendee? But Ben Attendee could also be batting eighth or ninth. And if he's batting eighth or ninth at 4,000, then I don't worry about it. So yeah, you have to know that information. So to me, there's no point in building lineups now. It's 11.40 in the morning. Easter time. It's like it's a 7 o'clock slate. We're not even going to get most of the lineups until 3 o'clock or so. Right? We got we got how many how many games? In, in, the, in the San Diego, Seattle. Yeah, we have some LA Dodgers. We may not even get those lineups until like 6 o'clock. So, I mean, you could look at stuff. But, I mean, I'm not researching all day. I'm not sitting here got digging into whatever. I'm just, okay, first look, take a look, take a look what the bat says, take a look at uh, you know, potential ownership and what potential constructions could be, and then just sit and wait. I'm just waiting for starting lineups. See if anything changes. Anthony Fela says, in NBA and NFL, you could pivot off a heavy-owned player to a different position, less owned. Can you do that in MLB, or is that just for a pitch? Well, you could do that. You could do that for positions – I mean, the, the positions on a baseball field, right? A lot of times, you know, Coors games, 
you know, Story and Arenado become overowned at third and shortstop. So it allows you to pivot and play a different third baseman or a different shortstop. Outfield is much harder. There's a lot more options. So you can do the same thing. I'm typically under the field on Story, most slates that cores exists. I'll find some other shortstop and then pay 5800 or whatever for Trevor Story as a one-off. Does batting order factor in stacks? Yeah, of course it does, Edgar Chavez. I don't mind. Okay, let, let's, uh, let me bring up, uh, let me bring up starting lineups. I'll, t- I'll, I'll show you what I tend to do and tend not to do. But remember, it's never an always or never. It's always more likely or less likely. Doesn't mean you don't. Okay, so let's take, let, let's take just anyone's order. Let's take a game. Let's say a game and maybe a game that we like. Game that did uh, what game? Would be, what game would be good? The Dodgers look fine. Uh, game with too crappy. Okay, yeah, here we go. Twins Royals. Why not? Okay, so I look here. We have the Twins and the Royals. So let's say I'm interested in both teams, and I want to stack them. Okay, this is this is what I'm taking into account. I'm going to tell you why, uh, based on these on this starting. On these projected orders, why the twins are horrible to stack today? Okay. Oh, this is Fanduel. Let me let me go to let me go to DraftKings. Okay, let's go. Let's go to Twins Royals. Just an example. But I'm going to tell you why I don't like the twins to stack. We got outfielder, outfielder, outfielder. We're in the we're at the top top three, top four batters are all outfielders. You're going to have to fill all 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 your outfield spots. On a 13-game slate. So I don't traditionally like that. Okay? Buxton at the bottom of the order. On road teams, I don't mind the bottom of the order as much. Especially if they're in a scarce position. Catcher, middle infield. Uh, or they're cheap. Okay? So, like, I'm not against Byron Buxton and the Twins. Because they're on the road. If the Twins were at home... Remember, the home team, if they're winning, they don't get ninth inning at bat. So the plate appearance expectation goes down on the bottom of the order. So Byron Buxton, if this was at home, I probably wouldn't even have him in twin stacks. But I don't mind that much on the road. But also, you have three other outfielders. So you have four outfielders in the lineup. So I'm less likely to use Buxton because I'd rather use Kepler, Cruz, and Rosario. But I may use much more Garver, even though it's a little, maybe a little bit expensive at 4500 4, Definitely use a lot of Arias at a middle infield position. So if I wanted to stack, my key positions would be a lot of Polanco, a lot of Arias, a lot of Garver, the scarce positions. And then I'd mix in everything else. But I don't mind the bottom of the order because they're on the road. Now let's take a look at the Royals. Okay, we got good positional mix. Second base, catcher, batting third, always good. Mondesi. Now, Perez bats as a DH and Gallagher is in. Like, obviously, you can't use him in the same spots, right? So, being that Gallagher is batting eighth at home, he is cheap, but he's going to take away a a spot that I could use Perez on. So, maybe I don't even include Gallagher. I just X him out. Nicky Lopez fills spots that Mondesi or Merrifield could fill. He's batting at the bottom of the order at home. I know he's cheap. 
I'm less likely to use him. If 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 I didn't, if Mondesi wasn't in, if Merrifield wasn't in, and, I, and he was the only second or shortstop eligible player on the Royals, even though he's batting ninth, maybe I do play a little bit of him. But I'm less likely at the bottoms of the of the home team's order, like the White Sox. We take a look at White Sox here. Like you can't play Collins and Grandal together. Mendick, you could play Garcia at least a little bit higher up in the order, but there's no second baseman here. So if you're desperate for second baseman, sure, play Danny Mendick. But outside of that, bottoms of the order at home probably are going to get one less at bat. If the stack goes off, Mendick may not get four at bats. He may not not get a fifth at bat because they're winning. They don't get ninth inning at bats. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. What positions and what part of the order and what their prices are. It doesn't mean I don't play Nicky Lopez. It just means I'm less likely to. Doesn't mean, hey, maybe I do play Cam Gallagher in a couple of lineups instead of Perez. I'm less likely to. Doesn't mean I don't, but I'm less likely to. I'm less likely to play Byron Buxton because I have three other outfielders here. But I'm more likely to play Byron Buxton because at least he's the bottom of the order of a road team. Right? So you're weighing those things different. So that's why I just look at these these types of orders. Right? Toronto Blue Jays. I don't mind. Hey, T. Oscar is batting eighth in this projected lineup at 4,300. A little expensive for an eighth hitter, but he's on the road in Boston. He'll come in lower own because he's batting eighth in this projected order. I don't mind. But like guys like Jackie Bradley on the other end, Less so. Bottom of the order for a home team. When I already have Benetton, I already have outfielders that I could spend it on. I'd rather pl- probably play Verdugo over him. Doesn't mean I don't play him. It just means I'm less likely to. Do you know who's doing the MLB show today or is there somewhere I could look it up? Yes, just go to the rotogrinders.com slash videos page. There's always a schedule up at the top. But uh, Devin is already... Already replied, Dean and Kirkwood are on the show. Right, you have to go to the Roto-Grinders homepage. Rotogrinders.com slash videos if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. I got I got uh, my, how cold? How cold is my apple juice? That's it's, it's, it's getting there. It's almost room temperature, hit the thumbs up button. But I'm just showing you how, how, how I just look through orders. But this is all I'm looking at at this point. Look, it's all red. Right, we don't know if these orders are going to be this, these orders. So to make any decisions now it seems stupid. I'm going to wait. I'm I'm waiting to. I, I don't make a decision until I don't know five o'clock. Maybe it's going to be later in the day. Light IQ has to come out. Ownership comes out. Projections change. Orders change. So it's just like there's no point. If you, if you're sitting there going, I got to research all day. I don't. You don't have to. Especially if you got Roto Grinders Premium, you've either got the bat or you got SIS projections. It does all the work for you. There you go. But you also get uh, you also get rankings. You also get uh, cheese cheeses million dollar musings. You get the grind down. You get uh, you get the expert survey. All at Roto Grinders for premium, and you get the MLB, NFL, NBA, PGA. That's the core four package. That's thirty nine ninety nine a month. It's the, same, it's the same information I use. It's a, I, I paid for it before I even joined the team here at Roto-Grinders. So it's like I eat my own dog food. So you can see right here, look, I'm even doing conviction stacks today, right? These are the stacks that'll send you to jail. 
That's why they call them conviction stacks, because I'm going to be stacking some really weird stuff where it's a 13-game slate. Who knows what it's going to be? The, the, the vomit stack apparently is the, is the Tigers today. I don't know if I could do it. I don't think I need to do it. See, the problem is with the Tigers is that look how cheap they are. Look at this projected order. Right? You fill shortstop and second base. Of course, you can't play Cabrera and Crone together. Right? You, you make sure to fill in a catcher spot. But look, you can fill in two middle infield spots with your first two guys. And look how cheap they are. 3,700, 3,000, 2,900. Right? Against Cool, a lefty. Kristen Stewart's 2,700. Victor Reyes, 3,300. Candelario. Right? You probably want lefties against Cool, especially in, in Pittsburgh, in PNC or whatever. But do you need this stack? Look how look, look how expensive the stack is. What three? Uh, did, what, what, look at this, like a fifteen k stack. But why do you need a fifteen k stack? You're not going to be playing them in lineups with Kikuchi, right? Like I don't need a fifteen k stack with Kikuchi. I need a fifteen k stack with like a Bauer, Bauer Boyd combination. Maybe then I use the Tigers. But the, apparently that the Tigers are the point per dollar vomit stack. As of now, do you look at ceiling for starting pitchers for GPPs? Last night failed by playing Geo on FanDuel. Uh, typically on one-pitcher sites, uh, ceiling means more to me on one-pitcher sites rather than two-pitcher sites. Two-pitcher st- sites, a lot of times, your second starting pitcher, you, you, you don't like. Right? You, you, you're doing because why not? Right? You need someone 6, 7K, right? Like yesterday, do you use Gio Gonzalez as your SP2 yesterday or you use Wade LeBlanc as your SP2 yesterday? Like, I get that. I get that on DraftKings. But on, on FanDuel? Like, on FanDuel, just, uh, you, you, need, you, you only get points for one pitcher. I'd rather, the bats, batters are much more varying since, you know, they'll all get about four or five at bats and who knows. Acuna could go 0 for 4. Trout could go 0 for 4. I mean, bats, that, that's what happens. So, at pitcher, when I'm only using one pitcher, I'm much more likely to not use it as a salary-saving run prevention type of pitcher. I got three strikeouts, six innings, three earned runs. Like, not in large field GPPs. It's just not going to score enough. And obviously, if your bats go off for 16 runs, sure, then it doesn't matter. But I'm more likely. Like, yesterday on FanDuel, I think, you know, you play Carrasco or Castillo. If you were to, if you were to pay down, you go to Yamamoto because he was cheap there, right, yesterday, over anyone else. But I think those were the, to me, those were the options. I'm much less likely to go off the board at pitcher on FanDuel than just take, who's going to give me the most amount of strikeouts, the quality start and a win? Just give me that pitcher. I could get different at the bats. Then take, then take a guy that, oh, if I get 12 points out of them, if I get 18 points on FanDuel, like squeak out, a decent Wade LeBlanc game, right? A sick, a quality start game with two strikeouts because he's not he's not striking anyone out. He's not a strikeout pitcher. For an SP two on DraftKings, sure, do it. You could you could survive twelve points as your SP two on DraftKings. Twelve points on Fanduel to win a you know a, a, a fifty thousand person GPP probably not enough. What stacks look good tonight? I have no idea. Look at the projections. The tiger. I, I look at the, the this, is, this is my vomit stack. Uh, Derek Hardy added this for for the bat. If you get the bat, he added the stack top stacks page 
for basically for certain for vomit stack. It's a vomit stack finder. I'll reload it. It's going to look this is DK numbers top stacks by team. So I could sort by point per dollar based on the bat projections. Point per dollar. This has nothing to do with slate. Like slate IQ is like how often that is going to show up in the winning lineup. This just means the the best point per dollar, not the ceiling. So we could see here the Tigers don't have the highest ceiling out of these teams, but point per dollar wise, they're they're really cheap, right? So I could take a look at top point per dollar, top twenty five point per dollar stacks, top fifty point per dollar stacks. But those are all median. They're, they're all based on a median, not the ceiling. So I could look here and go, okay, based on our Based on the batch projections, here are some vomit stacks, right? But we can see here, like the Angels have a high ceiling, but I mean, point per dollar wise, they're not great, but they have a higher ceiling than the Royals. The Royals are here at 82. They're better, slightly better point per dollar, but they have a much lower ceiling, right? Same for the Tigers, like compared to the Twins, right? The difference point per dollar wise is not dramatic, but the Twins have a higher ceiling. But I, I go here, I look here. I mean, this is something that you could do by just like going team by team in lineup HQ. But it, if it'll show it to me here, I'll go, okay. Based on the current projections on the bat, show me some vomit stacks. Let me see where the vomit stacks are. And here we go. Doesn't mean I play them, but just the easier way to point them out. So, uh, so I showed you a bunch of stuff. We went over, well, what did we learn today, folks? What did we learn today? We learned that we learned how how Slate IQ works, which is for premium members, rotogrinder.com slash premium. We learned uh, a little bit about the stack projections uh, of the bat. We learned a little bit about how to evaluate starting lineups, although you can't make your, your own lineups until they come out. Anyone that's making lineups now, it's, you're not utilizing information that other people will have five hours from now. So wait, you can wait. And what else did we learn? Uh, we learned that if you played Tyler Chatwood yesterday, you're a donkey. Okay, that's what we learned today. So uh so for Friday, August 7th, I'll be I'll be back on Monday. Right? I'll be back on Monday, then Britt will be doing Wednesday and Friday cuz I'll, I'll be away for a couple of days. But uh but I hope I hope you learn something. On the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.